welcome to Book of Mormon Binge Mode. The Book of Mormon Binge Mode. I'm Brian Mortensen. I'm Jordan Macon. And we're doing Ether 1 through 11 today, Bri. Ether 1 through 11. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, if you didn't listen to our previous episode, we kind of explained what the show's going to be. But for today, we're going to kind of jump right in. Today, I'm going to be doing the summary, and next week, Jordan will be. Two weeks from now. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about what happened in Ether chapters 1 through 11 by taking a quick trip down memory lane. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat, right? No, we need to come up with a better thing there. A quick trip down. Down. Golden Plate Avenue. Golden Plate Avenue, no. <laughs> We're, yeah, by diving into the plates and abridging the section that we just read, or abridging the Book of Mormon. We're going to make it shorter. And I pull a Moroni and take a hundredth part out of it and just talk yeah, about the important Get out of here. Again, language warning. <laughs> language warning. If you, if you are uh, upset by the words ass, damn, hell, or... That's <laughs> about yeah, I know. All sorts of slurs. Yeah. So. Probably no F-words, maybe some F-words. Depends how mad you get. Yeah, it depends on a lot of things. We're going to have ex-Mormons on, so maybe some F-words. Yeah. Get used to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. People turned it off by now. So, <laughs> Ether 1 through 12. So about 6,000 years ago, Jordan... 6,000 years ago, okay. so right after the Earth was born. <laughs> At the Tower of Babel, somewhere in the Middle East, Jared and his brother Mahanrai. Mahanrai? Mahanrai? Does he have a name? He has a name. It's Mahanrai Moranakamer. I think that, I actually think this one is more on uh, Moroni. He's out in the wilderness. He's like, I'm not rhyming that every time. Okay. <laughs> He's the brother of Jared. So right. yeah, Mahanrai Moranakamer, um, they plead with the Lord not to confuse their language. Now, Jordan, do you remember what happened at the Tower of Babel? I do remember. What happened? They were trying to build a tower to heaven. Uh-huh. God wasn't ready to meet his people yet. No. So, so what did he do? He confounded the languages. So what was the language before he confounded the language? English. English, yes, exactly. Okay, so the Lord accepts their plea, but with one condition. Jared and his friends and family have to leave to find the land of promise. God does not confuse the languages like he did with everyone else. Um, and Mahanrai Posse, the Mahanrai Posse, begins to plan for a journey across the sea to the promised land. But the Lord warns them that if they screw this up, they will be swept off of said promised land. So as the Jaredites prepare for this epic journey, they gather two of every kind of animal. And after a three-hour conversation with the Lord, he asked the Lord how they were going to have light in the barges. After some creative brainstorming, Mahanrai suggests that the Lord touch some white stones to illuminate them. Now, Jordan, who is the Lord in this case? I believe yeah. it is Jesus. Yes, Jesus is Lord. Have you seen those pictures? <laughs> yeah, I've heard yeah. that saying before. Heard, well, or the the billboards, I guess is what you call them. Where here? Just everywhere. Yeah. In Texas, they get it. Which is they why have every, which is why everyone likes uh, uh, that you know the R and B art. No, what artist? What would you call Lord the artist? Uh, she's not art. She's a pop artist. She's a pop artist. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> R and B princess Lord. R and B yeah, princess Lord. <laughs> Um, so after they do some creative pro uh, problem solving, uh, Christ is so impressed with this can-do attitude that he shows his force ghost self to Moroni and gives him a vision of everything. This is the group of Jaredites, probably about a hundred or less people. They load up 16 barges, each with an illuminated stone and trust that the winds and the sea will carry them to their destination. They roll in the sea for about a year in these barges before they make landfall in this new promised land. After the people begin to grow and Jared and his brother die... They, the people appoint a king, Araha, who does a pretty good job. Then it, Korahor, the grandson of Araha, rebels against the throne, rebels, rebels against the throne, <laughs> and sets up the rival nations of Shul and Kohor. 
Korhor kidnaps the king and enslaves the people of Shoal. The people of Shoal go and make swords of steel and drive the people of Korhor out of their lands. Korhor repents, the man Korhor, and comes back to the fold, and the people are chill. <laughs> Until Korhor's son Noah has some beef with the people of Shoal, Noah is killed, and the two nations become sworn enemies. And the kingdom of Shoal begins to become wicked, and they persecute the prophets, which, of course, makes the Lord pretty pissed. So Shoal establishes laws saying that the prophets cannot be persecuted, and peace spreads throughout the kingdoms. But then Jared, a total dick, who enslaves <laughs> his own father, takes over as king. His brothers raise an army to free their dad, and Jared begs for his life after this battle, so they spare him. But Jared's daughter, a real go-getter, pitches an idea to seduce the king's son and get, get him to bring the head of his father back to Jared. So he went to Jared. <laughs> That's a good joke. Yeah, thank you. This little band spreads through a secret combination. So Jared, Jared's daughter, they start a secret combination, um, which really pisses off the Lord. We'll more about that later. He warns that uh, the king, whose name is Omer, to leave the land. Jared gives Akish his daughter, right? Akish is the the person who Jared's daughter was seducing. Mm -hmm. She danced in front of him and pleased him greatly. Nice. From the scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> this is scriptures. Um whoops did i just delete that now is that the end of the abridging it's not the end of the abridging um okay you can undelete a note right i can i just don't know how i'm looking at it so i'll just read for okay <laughs> okay so uh akish um battles with his sons and they go to war with their father and all of the nation except for 30 people are killed in that war. The rest of them leave to go join Omner, who the Lord told to leave because this was going to happen. Okay, a couple generations later, yada, 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 that kingdom is throwing prophets into a pit and letting them starve, which is when the poisonous snakes show up. Do you remember the poisonous snakes oh, showing up? How could you forget? Yeah. <laughs> and they kill the people and animals until the people flee out of the land north into the south. And uh, into the south is what will many years later become the land of Zarahemla. So, yeah. And uh, the serpents, they block the way back into the north. This is one of those things that I'm like, this is straight out of Game of Thrones. There's like a wall of serpents <laughs> blocking them going up to the land north. Yes. yes. A couple, okay. At this point, the righteous wickedness cycle, um, where they have a righteous and wicked king, is getting ridiculously repetitive. Uh, they create a great throne for the king, and we know... In the Game of Thrones, Jordan. There is a nice throne there. <laughs> when you play the Game of Thrones, you either win or you... Go home. <laughs> like the playoffs. <laughs> okay. Um, so the prophets uh, cause a large part of the society to repent, um, but this is also when they, the, the people start practicing polygamy. Um, but those who are outcasts, of uh, when people start repenting, they start casting out all the wicked people, they form an outcast army. Hey, hey, yeah. And, uh... <laughs> Not to be confused with Outcast fan group fan page. Outcast Army on Facebook. Outcast Army on Facebook. <laughs> kind of like Dumbledore Army, but for the great band Outcast. Okay. And they attack the righteous. Finally, the people get past the serpents, and they get back into the land northward to live, and, and they use the land south to hunt. So it's like, land up north is where you live, land down south is where you go and kill animals. Um... The entirety of the northern land becomes very populated. After a while, gangs of robbers start raiding cities and seeking to destroy the kingdom. Those robbers. 
The brother of the king Shiblom starts executing prophets, and the great destruction of the people of Jared is prophesied unto them. A great destruction destroys most of their society, but still the people won't change. We don't know what great destruction means, we just know that they said that it's the great destruction. As everything is going to shit, Ether is born, the last prophet of the Jaredites, and will be um, determined to be the last Jaredite citizen at the end of this book. So that's chapters 1 through 11, Jordan. We just barely met Ether. We did just barely meet Ether. That's crazy. Yeah, he's going to be an important part. I don't know how he can live up to the first 11 chapters. <laughs> okay, so... When I was growing up, I thought Ether was a girl's name. So. I did too. Well, and my, when we told people on our mission about Alma, they're like, oh, it's so cool you have a woman prophet. Uh, <laughs> hey. Okay, so time for my segment called... Righteous Anger. Righteous Anger, <laughs> where I take something that really bugs me and I talk about it. Righteously. <laughs> so today is about language why would i be talking about language today Jordan? the confounding of the languages no it's because this podcast is explicit uh, uh, yeah so the confounding of the languages um that happened six thousand years before the time of christ six thousand a.d yeah okay bc so what do you think they were speaking again english english definitely. right yeah definitely old english right well that's what adam and eve spoke that's what I, yeah they're like thy the all that crap yeah okay um, the Old English, uh, the Old English, which is actually Ye Old English, ye I guess, old English. Yes, was invented in uh, 450 AD and kind of formalized in 1100 AD. You mean they discovered it then? <laughs> no, it that, been was lost when, since that is the when they, they started speaking it. Uh, 1611 is when the King James Version of the Bible is written. And even at translation, the Book of Mormon was written in Old English for the time. So when Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon, people didn't actually talk like the scriptures in the 1800s they already had like a more refined dialect because between 1611 and 1820 what was it again i don't remember yeah. uh <laughs> the language changed which isn't surprising right Right. so yeah. you're pointing out that there's some people out there that think that the people of the book were actually talking like this or, and that joseph smith was actually talking like this right but that's crazy so people back then didn't talk like that the book of mormon was written in some sort of egyptian but the record of Jared couldn't have been written in Egyptian either, as it is the uh, the oldest Egyptian language was recorded at 2690 BC, which is 2690, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Numbers. I often hear that the Book of Mormon is the truest book because it was only translated once. This is bullshit. Oh, <laughs> oh. righteous. Yes, righteous anger. Moroni likely translated the Book of Ether, for instance, from whatever Adamic language that the people of Jared, Jared spoke into whatever language that evolved from the hundreds of years that the people of Lehi had been living isolated in their country. Likely, this was a mixture of Egyptian or Hebrew, and then Joseph and Oliver translated that into antiquated Old English because that's the way they thought scriptures were supposed to sound. All this is to say that I think most people think God talks like the Old English to men, which is why our church seems to imply that we must pray in antiquated language. But God doesn't talk to men in any human language. He speaks Adamic. At least according to my least favorite apostle of all time, Bruce R. McConkie. <laughs> think of the Book of Mormon's promise that Christ visited every people on all the isles of the sea. You think he showed up to New Zealand and spoke King James English? Nah, he probably spoke in the language that the people did. The gift of tongues. Furthermore, many Spanish missionaries will tell you that reading the Spanish editions of the Bible give you more insight into the meaning of the language, as it is more of an intimate tone and the scriptures are translated into. This makes sense to me. I mean, every language is a reflection of its people. Um, their values and their culture. It is the culture of a. Uh, is is it the culture of Christ who personally attends to each one of us through atonement, a formal over the top pro 
proclamatory language, or is it more intimate, more individual? Christ speaks to us in the way that we speak to ourselves, the way we think in our heads. And I can already hear, hear people listening to this freaking out because of the sacrament prayer. Why would I think that they're freaking out because of the sacrament prayer? Because it's that we're supposed to say in this, specifically that, those words. Words, right? Words are important. That's what Jesus gave the, the Nephites, right? Old English. No. Think about it. Jesus came to the people of America and gave them the sacramental prayers. And that was a couple thousand years before the invention of English. Uh, just like a thousand years, actually. That's why I find it so bizarre that Mormons insist that we have to pray with the formal English out of respect to God. Why? He's God. He's been prayed to in every language out there. I'm pretty sure you could pray to him in Tom Hanks' vernacular from Cloud Atlas, and he'd going to get the message. What a reference. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it goes, it goes deeper than that, Jordan. By insisting that we pray with formal, formal language, we are allowing there to be a separation between our actual thoughts and emotions, what we, uh, what we think in language and we use every day, and the thing we... The little voice in your head that speaks to you, not the crazy one, that is our language. That's the language we talk in. And the rote repetition of nourish and strengthen our bodies and thee and thy and other platitudes means that our, our hearts and our minds are not speaking the same language that we would in our hearts and minds, right? So I would even go so far to suggest that when we pray in Old English, we are practicing a form of laziness. Prayer is a blessing not be only because it helps us commune with God, but because it helps us verbalize the deepest and most desperate worries and desires of our hearts. We work through our fears, and we put our hopes out of our head and into the world when we pray. So next time you say a prayer, try to use language that you'd use at work. Keep it professional, sure, but don't act like it's Shakespeare in the park. And that's righteous anger. Righteous. <laughs> anger. <laughs> that was amazing, Brian. Well, thanks, Jordan. Oh, I... I love how thou dost things. Oh. And well, thank thee. Thank thee for nourishing and strengthening this podcast. And stick it up with thy ass. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Arse. Arse. Okay, <laughs> Jordan, what, what's our next segment? The next segment is likening the scripture. <laughs> the scripture. If anybody wants to make little jingles for each of our things, um, we would appreciate it. That would be nice. Mine is not as well written as Brian, but I do have some points I'd like to get across. Okay. First off, when starting this podcast, I wanted to be well-informed, so I did some research outside of the Book of Mormon. Okay. So it turns out I found this. Okay. Ether uh -huh. is a song by hip-hop recording artist Nas <laughs> from, <laughs> from his 2001 album Stillmatic. Okay. The song was a response to Jay-Z's Takeover, <laughs> a diss track directed towards Nas and Prodigy, which appears on Jay-Z's album The Blueprint during the Jay-Z vs. Nas and Prodigy feud, a famous feud. Yeah. Nas named the song Ether because... <laughs> this is Nas named the song Ether because, quote, I was told a long time ago, ghosts and spirits don't like the fumes from Ether, and I just wanted to affect him with my weapon and get to his soul. Okay. So how would Joseph Smith know that this song <laughs> would be happening? <laughs> Yeah. In 2001. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was really interesting. That is really interesting. That was, that was really good. It's actually one of the first. So, likening your, the scriptures yourself, Nas, Jay-Z. Yeah. Would you say that? How would it, how, in 1800s, where Joe Smith know this song existed? Further proof. Further proof. Yeah. Okay. I apologize. Um, <laughs> to who, Joseph? Some notes on the reading that I, that stood out to me. Mm -hmm. um, did you know that the name Coriantor is actually spelled wrong? in the Book of Mormon. Okay. How's it spelled? Well, it's spelled C-O-R-I-N 
or I-A-N-T-O-R, okay. when actually it should be T-E-R. Yeah. Do you know why it's spelled wrong? Why is it spelled wrong? Because his dad was kind of a moron. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So that's his dad's that's name. That's really funny, because that is his dad. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, it's his dad's name is Moron. Okay. So let's move on to the confounding the languages. Okay. Because I think this does apply to our times right now. Okay. Because what I think it happened is that at the Tower of Babel, mm-hmm. they were all speaking English, like we established. God didn't actually change their languages. Mm-hmm. What he did is he took certain factions and made them more woke than other factions. <laughs> okay. So then some faction was like, hey, can she come help out? And they're like, you can't call her she. She's a they now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're like, well, what about that tranny over there? You can't say that word anymore. They're like, hey, we can't even communicate. We're leaving. Yeah. That's what's happening today That's right now. That's what's happening right now. So we can't even communicate. So like, people yeah. can't be respectful for people's languages. <laughs> um, okay. So that, that applied. Um, they they dwell in the Valley of Nimrod, mm-hmm. which is fun fact. It's named after the double platinum fifth record by the band Green Day. <laughs> just want to throw that out there. How would he know that, you know? How would he know? How would he know? He's just an yeah. uneducated farm boy. And you think it went double platinum because it didn't come from the Book of Mormon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on. Staying power. <sighs> okay, here's the real thing I want to apply. Mm-hmm. Um, so they dwelt by... So when they... First go from Babel to the sea. They dwell there for four years. Mm-hmm. They live by the sea for four years. Um, so the first beach bums that we meet Again, in, nice. scripture, <laughs> in scripture. And, oh, and I should say that, but we cleared this up. One thing that stood out to me is that Jared and the brother of Jared walked away and like, hey, we're glad that God didn't confound our languages. Yeah, that's cool, Jared. Yeah, that's cool. Brother. <laughs> yeah. He made him forget yeah, his name. Like, I don't know his name anymore. He definitely didn't get found our language. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay, so there are these beach bombs. They live by the sea for four years. Jared goes, because they're supposed to go across the sea. Okay. He's like, how are we going to do this? They make boats tight like unto a dish, mm-hmm. which I still don't know exactly what that means. I don't either. Tight like unto a dish. Does that mean... Did you have any? I I think I would like. I feel like I've joked about this with people before, but I actually don't know. No, I don't either. I just keep thinking that we're obsessed with like kitchenware in our church, <laughs> it's like dishes, plates, <laughs> it's all this di- kitchenware. Anyways. It was sharp, like unto a fork. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you didn't say knife. But <laughs> it was sharp like a fork. It was sharp and round, like unto a spork. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So Jared goes up. Mm-hmm. He made these boats, mm-hmm. which I think he probably made them differently. See, Jesus probably looks at it like, why does it look like a flying saucer? He <laughs> <laughs> told you to make it. Do you know what a dish looks like? <laughs> yeah. It's like a boat. You made it like a saucer. Like, I, like I didn't say, say enclosed like a saucer. I said yeah. tight. As far as we know, tight means like cool back then. Maybe it yeah. came back around. Like, I want tight. It to be tight like a dish, man. <laughs> tight, bruh. I mean, they're beach bums, you know? <laughs> So Jared goes. Mm-hmm. I see. This is where I think that Jared actually, or the brother, is it the brother of Jared, or is Jared actually going up there? No, Jared. He, I think that, and we'll talk about this in a bit. But Jared's the political leader, and the brother of Jared's the prophet. Okay. So like, anytime that you have to deal with God, it's the brother of Jared. It's the brother of Jared. Yeah. So I don't think he's the brightest because mm-hmm. he makes the boat wrong. <laughs> okay. In my opinion, sure. That's not how you make a boat. Yeah. He goes and he's talking to Jesus like we can't, we can't breathe in this. Yeah. And Jesus is like, I mean, you made it really tight. <laughs> okay. And so he's like, well, how are we going to breathe? Mm-hmm. And the, the tone I read it in, that Jesus is a little frustrated. Mm-hmm. He's like, 
how do you make anything breathe that doesn't have you put a hole in it yeah like make an air hole yeah and then if you're worried about it flipping over since you made it so ridiculously <laughs> yeah you can plug the hole i guess yeah <laughs> that's hilarious and jared's like i like this idea goes down <laughs> they put the hole in it and then he gets inside it's like it's pretty dark <laughs> yeah. it's pretty dark in this ship because <laughs> yeah. it's tight like a dish and so he goes up like how are we gonna do light and really the lord answers by saying what do you what do you think yeah he doesn't say get some stones i'll make them into lights yeah. he's like what do you think and i think in the lord's mind yeah he's thinking like he'll obviously just put more holes they can uncap <laughs> the top hole and then the light will come in <laughs> and so jared's like brother, got, Jared. brother of jared's like i got this yeah. finds some shiny stones yeah goes back up to the mountain uh-huh. lays them out uh-huh. jesus is like so how did you figure out he's he's, he's thinking he put more holes in the ship <laughs> yeah. 16 holes right <laughs> And Jared's like, you're the Lord. I brought some stones. Uh-huh. Light them up. <laughs> Light them up. <laughs> and, and I think, I think even in the scripture, it goes back and forth like, oh, so you think since I'm the Lord that I can light these with the touch of my, my finger. Right? right. And I think he was being like sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah you, want me, you want me to light up <laughs> these stones? But Jared didn't get it. Jared's like, yes. So... What this teaches me mm-hmm. is that some ideas are crazy, <laughs> but they're so crazy that they just might work. <laughs> and that's likening the scriptures. And that's likening the scriptures. Yeah, it's exactly the opposite lesson that you're supposed to take. Awesome. Okay, that was fun. Okay. That was fun. Did that's, I do Was that okay? That was hilarious. Okay. I loved every minute of that. Thank Let's you. start into our next topic or section, um, AP Mormonism. Okay. Classes in session. That's a gavel. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Your AP teacher said gavels. Okay, first thing I want to talk about. Um, There's a part of the... Let me see. How do I... I have a note in the Elias scriptures. Oh, there we go. Okay, so the oral tradition. Even the Jaredites recorded the founding mythology of the Jewish faith. Moroni tells us that, like, hey, they had everything down from the beginning of time until now, and I don't need to put that in this because there will already be a Bible. I would just point out that like as mormons were very critical of the translation <laughs> it might have been nice to have like an original like right. straight from the source but whatever yeah moroni like, took not... some liberties with he this where he's like you don't need to know you anything know but they you met jesus so. <laughs> i'm not going to talk about the parts that you know i'm just going to keep telling you the same but story. Get the important stuff jshab begat joshab <laughs> yeah um, begat that was the other thing that i i wrote uh that section they were already obsessed with lineage it seems to me that until very recently our heritage mattered more than our careers or sports teams, but now we have these more social constructs where we're like, oh, I'm a jazz fan. Before, they're like, oh, wh- what are you all about? You're like, well, <laughs> my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandpa. <laughs> begat my great-great-great-great-grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you better bet he begat my great-great-great-grandpa. <laughs> okay, so let me get to my next note. Um, this is, again, in the first chapter, uh, and it says, and it came to pass that the brother of Jared did not cry unto the Lord according to that which has been spoken by the mouth of Jared. This is where I'm like, why is Jared in charge if his brother is favored by the Lord? It seems even at this point, prophets are not governors. And we'll talk about that later. Prophets probably shouldn't be governors. It doesn't right. work out well. Arnold Schwarzenegger, for example. <laughs> what? Oh, you're, oh, the governor of California. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Is he a prophet? I mean, well, he said he would be... predator? <laughs> I was going to say, he said he'd be back. Um, <laughs> so then, this kind of struck me this time reading it, that they... God instructs them to go 
get a bunch of male and female like things of every kind right and that's just to go live by the sea right they don't do they take them in the ships no i think they take him in the ships i'm pretty sure right and that they're gonna build barges for all of the families and all these these animals um and it's very similar that the instruction given to noah which i found kind of interesting i saw that too it's not really a flood, but that they need these animals in the new world. Did Noah happen before the tower? Way before, yeah. Way before, yeah. okay. Because, like, Noah, and they, like they said, that was the tradition they were passing down. But yeah. I'm sure that they were really like, oh, like the scriptures. Like two of each? Yeah. <laughs> I love that part. I love that part. There's only, like, two books in the scriptures at that point. <laughs> you know, Genesis and, well, Genesis, yeah. <laughs> Which I bet you they didn't call it Genesis back then. Back then they're like, it's the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bible, Bible Binge Mode was a much shorter podcast back then. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, Promised Land. Jordan, where do you think the Promised Land is? Well, I think it's really interesting that in there, it, it says Choice Land. Choice Land, yeah. Which is very vague. Yeah. Is, so it, is it God's choice or is it their choice? Or is it like is it a, just a choice? A like, choice cut of meat. A choice cut of meat. You know what I mean? That just means nice. Um, it just, it, to me, the, the definition of it doesn't sound super appealing because pretty much the only definition that the Lord gives mm-hmm. is saying... It's a place where you're going to live, and if you disobey me, you're going to die. Yeah, that's exactly... <laughs> I'm always like, why does everyone assume that it's America? Because it's like, um, it, it's actually just any land where if you keep your covenants, like, you're going to be okay. Right. Not like it's you get land... there and it's like, oh, we can do whatever we want. Right. Except anything that the Lord hasn't told us to yeah. do. So, it's a land where you keep your promise. I just think that Americans really desperately want to defend the country and say, oh, no, they're talking about America. Right. I actually have a lot of theories we'll probably get to later. that The Book of Mormon probably didn't take place anywhere in North America. But what about where the book plates were? I mean, he's God. He could put the plates anywhere. Like, he could bury them in China, and they would have been re-dug up. A lot of people actually think it's Taiwan right now, which is interesting, because a lot of the the geography matches, which is oh, interesting. That's cool. I think it, it might have been New Zealand, but we'll get into that later. Cool. Okay. Um, and the, he says that this is a choice land, um, and there will be none greater than the nation which I shall raise up to, to thy seed upon the face of the earth. And thus I will do so because this long time you've cried unto me. I thought this was interesting because the people are told that the nation will be greater than all others, which isn't surprising as none of the rest of humanity is speaking the same language at this point. <laughs> so the fact that the Jerilites will be isolated, there will be no war, and they speak the same language, they're going to do better than everyone yeah, else. Yeah, they'll be just fine. So anyways. <laughs> um, next chapter, chapter two. Uh, or let's see, we get into... Um, let me get to this. Oh, they talk about, um, they talk about the honeybee. Right, that that if they go to the, into the desert, they will be a honeybee, and they will carry with them swarms of bees and all manner of which on the face of the land seeds of every kind. I think this is the first time that we see the motif of beehives and honey, which is a, in a lot of the Book of Mormon, um, which again permeates Utah culture. Yeah, of that. even Deseret pops up in the, these scriptures here. Yeah, Deseret. It's in the same verse as the bee. This is six thousand years before Christ coming, and we already know that Utah is a state. Um, <laughs> How would Joseph Smith have known? known? Yeah, exactly. And it came to pass that when they had come down to the valley of Nimrod, that he, the Lord was in a cloud. Yeah, that was a very odd description. Came down in a cloud, and still we don't get the dude's first name. <laughs> like, Where does it say his first name? Is... It's actually not in the scriptures. It was in a vision given to Joseph when he was giving a patriarchal uh... lesson. Not even Joseph Smith Jr. I think it was Joseph Smith Sr. that uh... came up with it. Um, i'm just pretty sure that oliver cowdery was like i'm not writing that down every time <laughs> like, that's ridiculous we're gonna call him the brother of jared <laughs> he's asking joseph to spell it every yeah, time <laughs> m-a-r just brother of jared um so then uh, the lord gives them directions uh where to travel based on their um righteousness this kind of reminds me a lot of lehi's you know with the uh 
Liahona. With the yes. Liahona. Mm-hmm. Um, they build barges um, in which they cross the water. Um, and now we can behold the decrees of God concerning this land, that it is a land of promise, and whatever nation shall possess it shall serve God, or they shall be swept off when the fullness of his wrath shall come upon them. A lot of people think this is about, like, our day, but I'm pretty sure the Nephites were completely wiped out. So it's not like, right. I mean, if we're in the same land as the Nephites, fine, but I don't think we can say that necessarily with uh, confidence. Right. So from the earliest records, the doom of the Jaredites and the Nephites is clear to us, yet we still view the people, both peoples, as the protagonists of the Book of Mormon. I think that's very odd. Mm-hmm. It's actually, they would be anti-heroes more, more like, right? It's it's a tragedy. It's not a happy story. Right. Um, and that's why I think it's important to start in Ether, because it's like, remember, like, from the very beginning, I was like, we're going to kill everyone. Like, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. It's, it's true. So, the fullness of iniquity. This is a very interesting part, where it says fullness of iniquity. I've heard a lot of fullness of times, fullness of the gospel, the restoration. Have you ever heard the term fullness of iniquity? Is that in this, what, what verse is that in here? It's verse 10. It says, the fullness of iniquity among the children of land, they are swept off. Yeah, so, like, they're not going to be swept off until there's a fullness of iniquity. And I said, at what point is there a fullness of iniquity? What is it that is achieved? And I don't think, I mean, like, lots of people say, like, uh, Lot and his family, that the fullness right. of iniquity was gay sex. Right. Again, we would have been destroyed in a long time. <laughs> the 80s were a crazy time. The 80s. Um... <laughs> Okay, behold, this is a choice land. This is verse 12. Um, free from bondage. Said, uh, well, America was not free from bondage until ni- uh, 1776, and even then not really as half the country was still in bondage. I'd argue that this nation is still in bondage, and that's why we're still under condemnation. I think that the, you look at how our prison system works in this country. If this happened in America, we are under condemnation still. He even talks, there's a, one of the kings that, like, they built a great prison for him yeah. in one of these. Yeah, they, they build a great prison. That's the one that builds the big throne because okay. they're building gold thrones from everyone in prison. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like unto a dish, this is very odd. I find this very odd. What it, like, and I guess I'm like, how, if you're translating it as Joseph, like, like into a dish? <laughs> like, and tight, like, if they just said it was like a dish, uh-huh. that makes sense to me, actually. But it, but it rolls. That's, it keeps saying it rolls over. That's true. So I'm like, okay, so a dish, maybe saucer would be the best. Like I guess. But I guess that maybe Joseph, if Joseph saw, like, again, we don't know exactly how Joseph translated it. If it was like, you know, ACR holding up your Google, you know, translator and it translates right. it in real time. Or if it was just like he got a picture of what was happening and he wrote it down or had it written down. Right. So if it's like a giant saucer, that makes sense of why he would say tighten to it like a dish because he was part of the generation where saucer would be a dish, right? I guess. I and to me, it would say the correct translation would be two dishes really tight together. Yeah. Very odd. Because dish, a dish in and of itself is not tight. Unless no. you're saying it's legit. Yeah. Which, which some are. Yeah, some are. But not all. Okay, um, on to chapter three. Um, the molten uh, rocks as 16 small stones. Um, why do you think there was 16? For each barge? Yeah. Well, but like, do you think there's any significance? Because in my opinion, I don't know that this ether is very literal. It's definitely, it was written 6,000 years before the time of Christ and was translated right. three times. I think that maybe some of this is exaggeration. Uh-huh. Um, so 16, I would think, it, just like any number in the scriptures, is usually significant of something else. Okay. What Do you, do you have any ideas? No, but I'm interested to hear well, yours. Well, I'd always figured that it represented the tribes of Israel plus the tribes of Lehi. Um, because the tribes of Israel would be 13, right? Because okay. the 12 and then the two brothers, right, Ephraim and Manasseh. Um, and then... The seven tribes of Lehi that came over, uh, Laman, Lemuel, uh, Jacobites, Josephites, 
um, Zoramites, um, Molokites, and and oh, the reason the Molokites would be part of that is again is it's it's the you know the Israel connection. So I think sixteen stones actually represents all the tribes of Israel and Lehi. Um, and again, these are founding cool. families, right? Like yeah. Israel started the Eastern religion, and in our view, Lehi started the the Western version right. of that. Just a thought. That's cool. Um, the Lord stretched his hand and touched the stones one by one with his finger. Um, do you, is this confusing to you? The, the whole what spirit can interact with matter type thing. It's is, very confusing. Because we're told in the DNC that you, uh, like, an angel of light can't touch anything, right? Right. And the he wanted Democratic to try. National Committee has been very clear. <laughs> That's not the DNC, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that whole thing is weird because he's like, here's my body, but it's not actually my body. It will be my body. Yeah. This That's is why I call it the Force Ghost body. Yeah. Because it's like, it's not his body, but he it, he's still can interact with the world. So in The Last Jedi, Yoda calls right. down lightning. It's like, how can he do that? He's a ghost. Well, he's, he's like, the force ghost the force ghost well does he actually need to the thing is is it is the touching of it what actually makes it or is he just saying is it just like showing jared that's a good call because maybe he just pointed to him he's like whoa how do you do that it's like well he's god he's literally a cloud why are you questioning things um (laughs) i also i have a theory about the two-bodied christ which is that he was born to the father physically in whatever world they were before like in their physical world like god was once man whole thing uh-huh. That like Christ is actually his physical son, and that those two then go on to make this world, and that's why he's be- the first begotten. He's like the first actual son of God. Interesting. Anyways, I just thought. So does he have a? He had a body yeah. before too. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. And I mean, well, it would make sense too of like why they didn't need Joseph to help procreate because they're like, oh, we already have the body. We're gonna regrow it. Anyways, lots of crazy theories. Wait, for Brian. <laughs> they didn't need Joseph. They didn't need his specimens to create Jesus. Oh, uh, oh, uh, Because uh. they already had the body. Cause, and then, or God had to come have, down and have sex with Mary, which again, I think is... Well, he doesn't have to. He points at things and things happen. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. It's like the, the Hercules, you know, the Zeus thing where he had come down and sleep with women and they would have like half God son. Right. I think it's just men trying to explain something that was probably more scientific. Yeah. Okay. Um, and let's see. Sorry. Oh, and then he st- Christ starts talking about the sons and daughters of Christ. This is another really confusing thing we'll talk about a lot in this podcast. Okay. What are the sons and daughters of Christ? They're not the sons and daughters of God. You become sons and daughters of Christ when you're baptized, but they're not getting baptized. Right. Who is it? Who is it referring to? Talking to of... the Jaredites, the people. Saying of the that Jaredites. they are sons and daughters. They are sons of no. They're sons of Christ. Sons and daughters of Christ. Right. Because Christ, I mean, and Christ is God at this point, which is again really confusing. But so could this let's say in the original translation of the Book of Mormon, so we know that's been changed a little bit to fit yeah. where it would say the Son of God. But that was only in Nephi, right? Was that only in only Nephi? Only in Nephi, where it used to say God, and then it was changed to the Son of God. And we'll get to that in, okay. in more detail. Okay, um, and never have I showed myself unto man whom I have created, for never how has a man believed as me as thou hast. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Um, this is the first appearance of Christ, I think, ever. First time we see Christ. I don't know. I guess in the garden, maybe we saw Christ. But I don't know if that counts. Right. Well, and is, I'm so bad with like Bible timelines, mm-hmm. like burning bush stuff. Burning bush is after this, way after. Way after this. He's in Egypt, right? Moses. I don't, that's why I'm bad at this. Moses this is the way. first, I think, thing we can actually, with validity, say like that is history. Like that actually happened. The the Noah stuff and the and the you know Adam stuff. I I think a lot of it is metaphor because it just it doesn't 
there's no way to verify it. Right. But the Egyptian histories, I think, do show the Jews leaving. Okay. Um, and he's, he said that the same likeness, uh, he will show his body in the same likeness as he's going to show it to the Nephites, which is, again, very confusing because he showed his resurrected body to the Nephites. Right. Not his spirit body. Yeah, I thought this part was really weird. It is very odd. Here's my body. It's not really well, my and body. That, and my only point to bring all this up is, like, the Book of Mormon is not very internally consistent which is what you would expect from a bunch of different authors writing a story right right and different understandings and moroni tries his best to be like no 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 it makes all sense he's the first apologist he's like no no it makes (laughs) makes perfect sense but it it doesn't have to you know um let's see Um, yeah i wonder if the parts where he's like it sufficeth enough to say yeah they met jesus when really they were meeting like i don't know black jesus or something (laughs) just exactly (laughs) We, we can't know all that stuff so um, two stones will I give unto thee, and ye shall seal them up, which the things that you shall write. This is the first kind of, um, these are the two stones from the 16 stones. These will be used as the Urim and Thummim, right, to, okay. to translate the Book of Mormon. Um, and then the Lord said these words, he showed unto the brother of Jared all the inhabitants of earth that, which had been and all that would be. So he shows them everything. And I think that only the people that have seen that, that we know of, are Jared, Nephi, and Joseph. And Moses, I guess, who saw the, everything from the beginning to the end. Right. But to me, when that happened, people... See, I would argue that that's a very overwhelming experience, and they probably don't recall much. No. And I think it probably messes them up a little bit. I mean, yeah. by the time that Nephi and Lehi are dying, they're kind of weird. Yeah. But, like, some... I'm just talking to my dad about this the other day. He was like, and they knew they knew everything. They knew each of us. I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't think their mortal brains could comprehend it. And maybe they weren't even shown everything, but they thought they were shown everything. That's true. I mean, know? again, and that's another thing that we'll talk about is rhetorical canon on this podcast, which is... Who's talking? What are their motivations? And how are they telling this to us? Yeah. And people don't really evaluate that. They just think, oh, God translated this book, which means it's straight from God. It's like, no, no, no. The men who wrote that are just as fallible as the men who write stuff today. Yeah. They make mistakes all the time in Salt Lake, right? Like they, right. they'll say. So there's very likely a likely uh, chance that whoever's writing this record down, because we don't really know, it's not as explicit, that they're making mistakes too and just trying to make sense of it all. Yeah, which can I say makes the Book of Mormon so much more interesting. That's what I'm saying, is that, like, and I think a lot of ex-Mormons are like, oh, you believe every word? It's like, no, it's a very flawed book. Right. And and they're like, well, you think it's the truest book. And I was like, truest in that it teaches some very fundamental lessons about how society is supposed to work. Yeah, and that's such a true, like, true, what does that mean? Does that mean something actually happened? Does it mean... Well, and and we're going to get into that non-literal interpretation of the Book of Mormon, I think, I buy into a lot, because I know that what... I think of as truth in the Book of Mormon is the lessons it teaches, not necessarily that Nephi had to be a real guy. Right. Um, that they should not come into the world until after Christ had shown himself into his people. Um, so Mosiah, when they find these plates, is like, no, we're not going to tell them about that. Because if he had told them, they'd be like, this is what's going to happen to you guys. <laughs> it would have been pretty dark. But again, uh, later we're, we're to find out that the gospel doesn't work in secret kind of contradictory there that yeah. prophets were instructed to hold things secret when they're they're never supposed to okay um the three witnesses this is the section that kind of gets boring there's only one thing i want to say from this section is that um the three witnesses of course um the old the new um and the other testaments are the three witnesses of christ there'll be three witnesses of the book of mormon which is what this is talking about but also the book of mormon itself is a record of the nephites of the molochites and the jaredites so that's three witnesses of this land, which oh, I think is, is kind of cool um, symmetry. The other thing that we get to is, I hope we're getting into the, oh yeah, so giving light into these vessels, right? 
Um, not a lot of people for the millions that we create. So there are only 16 barges and less than 100 people. But I have a lot of questions about pooping. <laughs> they were on the water for a year. And they had animals with them. And these things are rolling. <laughs> like, they're just basic questions of like, a lot of poop. Hopefully there's like a compartment. But they're huge, right? They've got to be like giant barges. Well, they, have, they have holes in it. Can they just go out of the hole? How are you going to poop out a hole that is above you? They don't have Can holes they... in the bottom. Well, they have holes on each side. Is there enough no. air pressure to open it? <laughs> no. Like There's a, a hole above them and a hole beneath them. And so when they're up, they can open the top one. Right. And then they get turned over, they open another one. Of course, one. they could have put a few more for lighting, is what I'm saying. Wow. Well, yeah. But I feel like, they, could they go out on top of it? Like I don't... A, I... Exactly. How'd I they get in it? <laughs> That's a good question. How do you make it tight enough? See, these are the kind of questions that, like, as I'm asking in primary, they're like, don't worry about that. It's like, well... Come on! I don't know. tell me the story and tell me not to ask questions. Right. Okay, and then they uh, prepared all manner of food where they might subsist, right? They go through all the food and beast and animal, and I'm just like, seriously, these barges are really big. Maybe there are compartments that just hold the waste. Um, can you imagine turning over a bunch of animals and cattle every time the boat is like... <laughs> so, anyways, rough I rough feel time. like my guess is that they, they could open it up. And get out. And get out. That, I hope. So it's more like an ark. But like, tighter. <laughs> like, like a do a dish. Yeah. Um, so historical accuracy, it seems to me that uh, that something that could have done, like carried them across the new land would be a hurricane. Most people think they went from Israel, the Middle East, through the Atlantic. I don't think that makes any sense. The, the Gulf Stream doesn't go that way. Uh-huh. So they would have gone from the, you know, Israel across the Pacific with like a hurricane, you know, or, or just the Gulf Stream. Right. Um, I view Ether a lot like the Old Testament. This is what I was kind of saying before that. It was translated and abridged enough that a lot of this is exaggerated and it's an oral tradition, so a lot of it gets changed over yeah. time. They're like telephone. Okay. Maybe tight meant just like cramped, like cramped. uncomfortable. Like yeah, like, like tight, like a dish. It's Ooh, tight in here. That's really what he tight. said to do. Yeah. <laughs> light. Oh. We're like sitting in the dark. Um, okay, tender mercies. This is our, a new game we're going to do. You have your Diet Coke. Every time we hear tender mercies, we're taking a shot. Okay, mine's empty, but I can pretend. Okay, viewer at home, take a shot every time you read tender mercies. We'll, we'll have a bunch of other, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Anytime we have a whoa, 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 take a shot. Okay. It does two things. First of all, Mormons get to pretend we're drinking. Second of all, it'll keep you awake as you're worrying, reading boring scripture. Okay, they came to pass that a number of their people, um, this is going way longer than I thought it would. I was like, we're not going to have enough tough stuff to talk about. Um... It's you and me, Bri. Yeah, I know. I just we're gabbers, you and I. I'll say. Uh, let me get to. Okay, somebody Oraha, which is like a good guy. Oraha, uh-huh. he had thirty-one sons and daughters. Get it on Oraha. Now, with one lady. Okay. Sure. Does it say multiple ladies? No, it doesn't. And it it's later a does. true buck. Okay, uh, land of Moron. Um, the land of Moron becomes the land of desolation later in the Book of Mormon. Right. Which is interesting um the the country was divided and there were two kingdoms the kingdom of shoal and the kingdom of cohort um the rival kingdoms are born out of civil war right because who are they going to fight with they're the only people on the yeah. land i thought that was interesting um and it came to pass that the people did revile against the prophets and did mock them and it came to pass the king shoal did execute judgment against all those who did revile the prophets and i just think this is hilarious it's like always love when the government forces its citizens into worship <laughs> again this is america okay very puritanical. Okay, into chapter eight. Um, Jared rebelled against his father, and I like this guy is kind of a dick. 
Uh, does he have a brother, maybe, who isn't such a dick? We call that guy the brother of Jared. <laughs> this is, begins a long tradition in the Book of Mormon of naming people after prophets and confusing the hell out of every Mormon. Right. It's like first Nephi, second Nephi, third Nephi, fourth Nephi. Right. Okay, we know there are four Nephi's. How many Jareds are there? How many shizzes? How many hats? <laughs> um, this dude carries away his father into captivity and made him serve in captivity. And I was like, some daddy issues. Holy cow. Um... <laughs> The daughter of Jared sounds really badass at first. I'm like, she's awesome. And then she turns out to be, like, a seductress that's going to, like, cut the head off the king and deliver it to her husband. Yeah, so she is badass. badass. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and then, so, Jared gives his daughter to Akish, um, and Akish immediately is like, let's kill your dad. <laughs> yeah, Akish. So, again, just no loyalty. And this is why I say that this is... Game of Thrones stuff. This is straight out of Game of Thrones. Yeah. People hate that I say this, but the similar similarities between the uh, Game of Thrones and Book of Mormon are undeniable. Yeah. It's like the Book of Mormon is Game of Thrones without the details. That's all <laughs> it is. Um, we get into, uh, you know, these these covenants. They say, and it came to pass, they swear unto him by the God of heavens and all of heavens, um, and also by the earth, and by their heads, that whosoever shall be assistance or divulge anything, they will lose their life. And it's like, be careful, because I've heard people really condemn, like, that's evil, you can't promise penalties. And it's like, well, most people don't know that we used to have those kind of penalties right. in the temple. And we can say that because we didn't ever covenant not to say that. But go look in the the, his, the Library of Congress. There's a thing called the good neighbor policy, which is something we adopted where we took out the penalties and we took out the part in praise of the man that says stain Illinois um, instead of plead unto heaven. Said stain. Yeah, it says the blood of the martyrs will oh. uh, plead unto heaven while the earth loves his name, and it used to say stain Illinois. Why is this called the good neighbor? Because we about... literally used to covenant in our temples to overthrow the U.S. government. So next so... time a Trump person's like, make America great again, it's like, I covenant to destroy America. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just don't judge people in the book. That's another thing. Like, Lest we judge that like almost everything in here is something we've done right. as a church. Um, which had been handed down from Cain. Cain is the first to do secret combinations. And they're considered one of the worst things that a society can do by, by God. Um, very interesting for later discussions. Define, let's define secret combination. I think it's... It's, a, it's another platitude that we hear a lot in the scriptures that... It's hard is it just define. vaguely bad people decide to do bad things together? Is that what it is? Um, no, I think it's that like they decide that doing something in secret um, and overthrowing other people. Okay. So it's specifically, I think, about political secret combinations. Okay. It's not like me and you have a secret combination. It's like, no, we're going to kill this guy, and then we're not going to talk about it. It's very mob-oriented, right. kind of okay. like... Um, I watched The Death of Stalin this week. It's like that. Like, everybody's just killing oh, I want to see time. that. It's really funny. Um, it says, the world... The war... The war... Uh, the Lord worketh not in secret combinations, neither doth he that a man should shed blood, um, but forbid it. So he does not work in secret. And I would say, it's not secret, it's sacred. Well, sacred <laughs> things don't have to be secret. Like, that's one thing I think our church does too much. We're like, no, it's a secret. It's like, why? This is so dumb. There's like four things we can't say from the temple. Everything else should be open. Right. We should tell everyone about the second uh, endowment. Look it up. Uh, <laughs> my ex-mail friends will know all about it. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and whatsoever nation shall uphold these secret combinations um, to get power and gain, they will, the blood of the saints shall cry against them. And again, um... This is where, in the current political climate, this scares the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. Like, everything that's going on in our government is straight out of the Book of Mormon, especially about these secret combinations of, like, 
people trying to overthrow other people, people promising to be loyal and, and to lie. And it just, it, it ruins society. And you can see it happening in our society right now. It's ruining our society, all these kind of secrets. Okay, um, nine. Dang it, I really need to take less notes. I really thought <laughs> you, I was going to get You went a little too in-depth there, Brian. I did. Um, well, how, how long are we right now? What are we running? 50 at? minutes. 50 minutes? Yeah. Uh, and there began to be a war between the sons of Akish and Akish and sons of Akish. So it's fighting. Yeah, there's a scripture where it's like an Akish fought Akish. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't. Well, and we saw these families killing each other, and I'm like, this is the Lannisters. This is just the <laughs> Lannister family. Um, okay, uh, the sons of righteousness. Did you get to that part? I probably skimmed. That's worth. So the it says that um, Coriantum saw the sons of righteousness, and it's capitalized, and there's like a, a footnote, and I'm like, these dudes seem important. I'm like, maybe the force ghosts of the three nephites are the the sons of righteousness okay because uh, it says what's the, foot, what's the footnote footnote is but unto you that fear my name this is third nephi shall the sons of righteousness arise with healing in his wings and he shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall so again it's like referring to and it's capitalized sons of righteousness is capitalized so it's like these are like people this is like right. a band <laughs> like, not sons of provo sons of righteousness <laughs> um they started throwing prophets into a pit and again, what? <laughs> That's super messed up. Multiple prophets. Yeah. Okay. Poisonous serpents. Before we move on, this is another like straight out of fantasy, right? This right. is a fantasy element. Right. Serpents chasing the people out of the land because they're like un- unrighteous. That's like yeah. every fantasy story you out there. Um, and then they won't let them back into the land, which is again, I think, is cool because it's a fantasy element, but also cool because it's it's very much like Moses. It's like you can't go to the promised land until you're worthy. Right. Right. And so. If it's a pretty cool image of like just a wall of trees with snakes snakes with red eyes like gleaming in the night. It's pretty intense. It's awesome. Um, And then, you know, Nephi keeps saying how the land of promise is his land because Nephi is very into himself. Uh, (laughs) But like, I'm pretty sure that the land of desolation is the promised land. At the end of the Book of Mormon, a lot of people are fleeing up into the the north to escape the persecution. Uh Um, And that's Deseret. That's Utah. That's Zion. Right. So in Zarahemla is not Zion. Zarahemla is Nauvoo. Um, okay. Chapter 10, um, that robbers start coming in, which is yeah. interesting because later in the Book of Mormon, the Gadianton robbers, really big problem. And you see how most of Ether is just like a rehashing. It's like the, the Force Awakens of the, of the Book of Mormon, right? Because yeah. it's just the same stories, but like a ton of times over and over again. It's really what establishes when we talk about the Pride Cycle. This is what establishes that. Is okay. that like, it happens again. They get rich. They get get unrighteous they almost are destroyed they get repentant and again and again okay um and he was a descendant of the brother of jared again couldn't we say that all people in this land were descendants of the brother of jared they literally had like a hundred people i'm sure they intermixed pretty well right they could all trace their lines back and can we just not say his name i'm descendant of the brother of jared why can't you say his name i think they were confounded yeah and nobody and he didn't know that nobody knew his name exactly (laughs) so let's jump into our next section which is Bum, 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 three, degrees three degrees of story. story. Jordan, what are your three favorite parts of this scripture? Um, I like the part where they're trying to decide a king. I think it's the son of Jared or the brother of Jared. And they're like, this one should be king. And he's like, I don't want to be king. Yeah. And they're like, should we force him to be king? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great, it's a motif, right? Of forcing people into, you know, freedom. Right. <laughs> should we force them to be free? Mm, okay, Captain. <laughs> And yeah. I think Jared's like, we don't need to force him to be king. That was a... I assume that guy's actually a really good dude that yeah. nobody wrote about. Well, and pretty much all of them were like, king's not a great idea. 
Yeah. Which, again, what other what other government were you just right. hanging out? I guess they just probably wanted to live the law of consecration. But. Right. Uh, so that's one of my favorite parts. Uh, you give yours, and I'll be okay. My story. first, my first favorite part is that we do get a really good example of a strong female character. She is a villain in this case, but right. she is not messing around. She was studying the scripture. She told her dad, like, I've been studying the scriptures and it seems like what we should do is power grab. And so, like, she's smart. And this is 6,000, you know, or I guess at this point we're probably, like, 5,000. No, it's probably, you know, way long ago. Women might not have been subjugated like, throughout all of history. It sounds like to me that this, but this woman had some equality. Anyways, just thought that was interesting. Oh, very cool. Give your three, and I don't, because I feel like yours would be more interesting. Um, second, second part is that Christ was a cloud, and then he became into a man, and that he's like, I only show you this because like you believe in me so much. And again, I wonder how much of that is because that's what Christ is like, or how much of it is like how Jared wanted to see Christ. It's right. Like, well, what are you? I want to see like show me your finger and touch these. And it's like, oh, my finger. Okay, so you believe I have a body? Okay, sure. You know, like Christ might be more infinite than that. So I love that part. Right. And then lastly, I just think the. You know, the secret combination stuff to me is probably the most interesting part of the Book of Mormon, probably because of the time we're living in, which is like, if everyone lies and tells secrets and is plotting against each other, society can't really function. Um, and that's a big warning for us right now, if we do not want to be swept off the face of the planet. <laughs> I agree with you. I don't know if I have about two other other stuff that I didn't talk about already, okay. so I apologize. Next that's time right. I'll be more prepared with things that I really liked. Here's where we're going to throw to our guest host. Okay. which you will hear who it is in a second. A talk given by Ezra Taft Benson about conspiracy theories and secret combinations, given in an April 1972 conference address. Joseph Smith said that the Book of Mormon was the keystone of our religion and the most correct book on earth. This most correct book on earth states that the downfall of two great American civilizations came as a result of secret conspiracies whose desire was to overthrow the freedom of the people. And they have caused the destruction of this people of whom I, have now, uh, of whom I am now speaking, says Moroni, and also the destruction of the pe people of Defi. Now undoubtedly Moroni could have pointed out many factors that led to the destruction of the people. But notice how he singled out the secret combinations, just as the church today could point out many threats to peace, prosperity, and the spread of God's work, but it has singled out the greatest threat as the great conspiracy. There is no conspiracy theory in the Book of Mormon. It is a conspiracy fact. Then Moroni speaks to us in this day and says, Wherefore the Lord commandeth you, when ye shall see these things come among you, that ye shall awake to a sense of your awful situation, because this secret combination which shall be among you. The Book of Mormon further warns that whatever nation shall uphold such secret combinations to get power and gain until they shall spread over the nation, behold, they shall be destroyed. And we're back. That was such a good guest post. <laughs> so let's award our title of liberty to the person who won this section of the reading. Who do you think won this section? Um, my vote goes to ether because he showed up when all this garbage was over yeah well kind of well i mean as far as we've read so far he's the only one that we've read that's not gonna like die a horrible death right because again i think ether is translated i don't know is moroni so, translated i don't know again who knows what tra we'll I mean, find I, out yeah we'll find out um who's your winner i think my winner would be 
Jared because he literally didn't do anything, and they're still like, that's Jared's brother. <laughs> that's, how, that's what I was going to say for my like, other choice. What are you doing? You know, it's like, oh, who talks to God? Who builds these ships? Oh, Jared's brother? Jared's brother. You him? know, that, that guy's like, him? Are you sure? <laughs> Um, okay, and lastly, epistles, and we don't have any epistles because it's our first episode. Yeah, but so I just send us your epistles. Yeah, send us your epistles of uh, what you thought about this episode. We'll talk about it on the next one. I'm sure lots of people are super offended. You can tell me how terrible I am. I don't yeah. care. Send them to at Mart. Okay, so that was an episode. That went that too long. Episode. I will not take as many notes next time. That's okay. I think that one, this was a meaty section it of was. scripture. Yeah. So yeah. So if you have any suggestions for things you want more of or different of yeah, i think we should take know. those too we won't Again, we won't change anything hashtag b-o-m epistle yes this is a fun, fun nice meeting you brian yeah, Morrison. Nice thanks you for too. coming by and again if you'd like to be on the show if you're someone who's passionate about mormonism passionate about not being in mormonism passionate about flds we'll call the cops on them but uh if you're a community christ we'd love to have you on the show we'd love to to have you have like a, a perspective i want to hear a lot of different kinds of perspectives about the scriptures because this is a rich book of text and we treat it like a monolith it's not right tons of different authors tons of different stories all of them teaching us how we're effing up in our society today. like it and with that cheery note we're sending you off listener see you next time Bye.